That being said, we have a special uh, guest speaker here today. Uh, Dr. Bob Wilkin and his uh, wonderful wife Sharon uh, are from Texas. Bob is a graduate of Dallas Theological Seminary, uh, Ph.D. in New Testament, is that correct? And he's also the executive director of Grace Evangelical Society. Uh, they're on our missions board back there in the back. Bob and Sharon are two uh, of, of our missionaries here at Coast. We've been supporting them for many, many years. And Bob has dedicated his life to the issue of salvation. And Bob has been a clear, clear teacher from God's word on what it takes to be saved. And in particular today, he's going to be speaking on the topic of justification. So we're really looking forward to having him today. He's got a few books that we have in the back, if you guys are interested. Uh, Confident in Christ, The Road, Road to Reward, and Secure and Sure, uh, one of his more recent books. And they're also coming out with a new, a new Testament commentary one year from now. So... Uh, you guys are really going to enjoy Bob here today and pick up some of his resources if you haven't already. They're very, very good reads. Uh, would you join me in welcoming Dr. Bob Wilkin? Okay, thank you. Thank you. Yes, it is good to be here. I was, Sharon and I uh, were able to uh, come out yesterday. We came out Friday, and my mother had her 95th birthday yesterday. Uh, I was the baby in the family, and she thought... She was, might not live to see me graduate from high school, and uh, earlier this year I hit 55, so <laughs> she lived to see me be a senior citizen, and who knows, who knows maybe she'll live to be uh, 100 if the Lord uh, continues to bless. It is a p- privilege to be here. By the way, this reminds me, 11 years ago when my mother was 84, I remember uh, I was visiting, and I was supposed to speak here at Coast, and I woke up Sunday morning staying with my mom up in Arcadia, and I got up and I was deathly sick. But I thought, well, maybe if I shower and shave, I'll feel a little better. So I showered and shaved, and I felt worse. And I, I don't know, I ate something bad. I must have had food poisoning. So I called Arch up, and I said, uh, Arch, I'm, I'm uh, dying here. I, I'm sorry, I can't make it. And he said, we're going to have all these people waiting on a word from God, and there's going to be 45 minutes of silence. Because he said, I got nothing, and you're, you're, you're the man. You better get here, suck it up, and get down here. So twice on the way down here, I had to pull off on the freeway so I could toss my cookies in the side. And my, my mother shouted and said, get back in the car because the CHP is going to think you're drunk, you know. So anyway, I got here, and Arch put me in the back where there's a couch back there, and he said, you can lay down here until it's time to preach. And I'm like, no, if I lay down, I'll never get up, you know. So anyway, I came out white as a sheet, but I made it through the sermon. So I've always remembered that because I thought, you know, Coast Bible Church is not for wimps. (laughs) You've got to be... uh, Really committed to the Lord, uh, unless you lose a limb. And even then, I'm not sure, Arch, uh, you know, preached with broken bones and everything else. So uh, I'm not sure if I'm up to anything worse than that time. Well, if you have your Bibles, turn with me to Galatians chapter 5. Galatians is Paul's charter of Christian liberty. Look at Galatians 5 and verses 1 through 6 with me. Stand fast, therefore, in the liberty by which Christ has made us free, and do not be entangled again 
with a yoke of bondage. Indeed, I, Paul, say to you that if you become circumcised, Christ will profit you nothing. And I testify again to every man who becomes circumcised that he is a debtor to keep the whole law. And then the verse we're going to especially concentrate on today, you have become estranged from Christ, you who attempt to be justified by law, you have fallen from grace. For we through the Spirit eagerly wait for the hope of righteousness by faith, for in Christ Jesus neither circumcision nor uncircumcision avails anything but faith working through love. I believe we have a PowerPoint, uh, do we not, here? This uh, is what we don't want to do. We don't want to fall from grace. Because to fall from grace is to fail to experience the grace of God in our Christian lives. Let's move to the next slide, please. Um, many people sadly think today that we're born again by following Christ. In discipleship. They think the calls to discipleship are the same as the call to being born again. They will say that justification and sanctification merge together, and maybe they're distinct, but you really can't separate them. So that all who are truly justified are truly sanctified. And so that we can go around inspecting fruit to see who's born again and who's not. Well, of course, what this does is, it not only causes us to inspect our own fruit to see whether we're born again, but we start looking at other people's fruit and saying, well, I wonder if sister so-and-so can really be born again because did you hear what she said or did you see what she did? Or brother so-and-so, I have real doubts about him because last Saturday night such-and-so happened and, you know, this sort of thing. And it leads to what Paul calls later in Galatians chapter 5, backbiting. You bite and devour one another. And it leads to what Paul calls the deeds of the flesh. Also, sadly, many people think that the way to live a successful Christian life is obsessing about the commandments. I remember when I was on staff with Campus Crusade, Bill Bright used to tell the story of a young man who was extremely dedicated to Christ and wanted to please Him. And so he kept a list of all the major commandments he found in the Scriptures, the Ten Commandments and many others, and he would carry this list with him all day long. And while he's shaving, he's looking at the list, and he was concentrating and focusing on this list. And Dr. Bill Bright said one day the young man had a nervous breakdown and was sent to the psychiatric ward and spent a serious amount of time there. And they finally told him he had to let go of his list. Stop carrying the list around. Because the list was driving him nuts. Well, that's the book of Galatians. That's also the Romans chapter 7, where Paul says, when I focused on the law, what I found is it drove me to sin. It caused me to do the things I didn't want to do. And Paul's deliverance from a life where he obsessed on the commandments and ended up failing was to focus on the one who's given us the commandments. You see, Christianity is all about Jesus. That's how we're born again is by faith in Jesus. And that's how we live the Christian life, by faith in Jesus, by focusing on Jesus. 
the author and perfecter of our faith. We don't live the Christian life by the commandments, even though there are commandments, and even though we want to please Jesus and fulfill the commandments, but the way to fulfill the commandments is by faith in Christ. Galatians 2.20, I've been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and delivered Himself up for me. My focus on Christ has a transforming impact on my life. However, the problem is there were a group of people called Judaizers who came into Galatia. Paul went through the region we call South Galatia today. And he led many people to faith in Christ and planted churches in various cities, Lystra, Iconium, Derbe, Antioch. He planted these churches. And then he left. And about six months after he left, he was receiving reports that confusion occurred. Let's move to the next slide. Falling from grace is turning away from the Lord Jesus Christ alone for your assurance, how you know you're born again, And it's also turning to His commandments as the basis for both your justification and your sanctification. Okay, the next slide, please. Beware of doctrinal defection. Notice we're told here in chapter 5 and verse 1, Stand fast, therefore, in the liberty by which Christ has made us free. That's believers. Unbelievers have not yet been set free. Unbelievers are still what Paul calls in Romans 6, slaves of sin. Only believers have been set free from slavery to sin. The believer is the one who has been set free. And if you compare this, go back to chapter 1. If you look at chapter 1, verses 6 through 9, Paul says, I marvel that you are turning away so soon. These words so soon, after he planted these churches about six months later, and by the way, Galatians is probably Paul's first letter written around 49 A.D. Six months after he plants the churches, he's getting reports that they are turning away from Christ. Notice, turning away from him who called you in the grace of Christ to a different gospel, a different good news. It wasn't that they were somehow going out and saying, well, what we want to do is rebel against Christ. No, they had people coming in who were giving them a new good news. Notice it says, which is not another, but there are some who trouble you and want to pervert the good news, the gospel of Christ. And then he says, but even if we or an angel from heaven preach any other gospel to you than what we have preached to you, let him be accursed. And then verse 9, as we said before, so now I say again, if anyone preaches any other gospel to you than what you have received, notice these are believers, they've received it, let him be accursed. These Judaizers came along and took these new believers in Christ, who'd been well grounded in the faith by the Apostle Paul, but they were only six-month-old believers. And they came along and said, well, sure, We start the Christian life by faith in Christ. That's how salvation starts. But if you want final salvation, and if that sounds familiar, it's quite commonly used today. If you want final salvation, you've got to persevere to the end. You've got to hang in there to the end. You've got to keep the commandments. In fact, they were coming along, they're called Judaizers, because they were pushing Judaism. And they were saying, look, 
your boys need to be circumcised. Any of your men that are uncircumcised need to be circumcised. And circumcision was a commitment to keep Torah, to keep the law of Moses. And so what they were saying is, okay, you start out by faith, but if you want to actually make it into the kingdom, you've got to keep Torah. You've got to keep the law of Moses. And so they were pushing for the men of Galatia in the churches of Galatia to be circumcised and to commit themselves, all of them, the men and women, to keep them, commit themselves to keeping the law of Moses, to keeping the Jewish festivals, the Jewish feasts, etc. So that they were now looking at it as though in order to be justified, we must keep the law. Which is exactly turning their back on what the Apostle Paul had preached to them. Look at chapter 2, verses 15 and 16. We who are Jews by nature and not sinners of the Gentiles, knowing that a man is not justified by works of the law, but by faith in Christ Jesus. And three times he says it's not by works, it's by faith in Christ. Even we have believed in Christ Jesus that we might be justified by faith in Christ and not by the works of the law, for by the works of the law no flesh shall be justified. That's the message Paul came and preached. Of course, the message goes on to say in verses 17, 18, 19, 20, and 21 that we live this life out effectively by living by faith in the Son of God who loved me and delivered himself up for me. So the gospel that Paul preached was a message of justification by faith alone and sanctification by faith in the one who loved us and delivered himself up for us. It wasn't a message of work salvation, and it really wasn't a message of works sanctification either. Sanctification results from a life of faith. It doesn't result from the legalist, from the person who's holier than thou. We also have other examples, I believe. I mentioned chapter, let's go back to the previous one for a second. Chapter 3, verse 2, notice that verse uh, says, This only I want to learn from you. Did you receive the Spirit by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith? Clearly shows he's talking about believers. And he's clearly showing that the Judaizers were saying, Wait a minute, you've got to keep the law. Let's move to the next one. Christians aren't immune to being duped by the false teach by false teachers. There is a lot of spiritual pollution in the world today as there was in the first century. Sadly, there are lots of people who are very well intentioned who are saying, look, if you want to be born again, you've got to keep the commandments. If you want to be born again, you've got to commit your life to Christ. You've got to follow Christ. There are others who will say, no, it's just by faith that we're born again, but true faith is following Christ. It's discipleship. It's keeping the commandments. Any which way you look at it, a lot of people in Christianity today are walking in a system where they're seeking to be justified by works. And there are people who are not experiencing God's unmerited favor. His grace, because they've put themselves under the burden of legalism. They've put themselves under the burden of a system of trying to somehow merit God's uh, salvation and life. And I put here, watch what you breathe. You know, for us, for the Christian, what, we, what nourishes our spiritual lives, 
What transforms us is the Word of God. Remember Romans 12:2, don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed, right, by the renewing of your minds. And it's the Word of God that transforms our lives. It changes our thinking, and that in turn transforms our lives. But if we're breathing in legalistic teaching, then that has a negative influence. And Paul is telling the Galatians, you've got to turn your, your mind off to this false teaching you're listening to. Okay, let's go to the next one, please. Those duped by the false teachers look more like Miss Piggy than they do the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, I don't know if that's Miss Piggy, but the point is, if we follow a legalistic pattern, instead of looking more and more like Christ... We look more and more like legalists. We look more and more like holier-than-thou people who are looking down our noses at everybody else. And that's not a flattering thing. It's not something that pleases the Lord Jesus Christ. Let's go to the next one. Even if a believer falls from grace, he remains a child of God. Uh, you know, sometimes people have the idea, and I've seen grammarians even talk, Greek grammarians talk about this. They'll say the word believe is often used in the present tense in the New Testament. For example, when Jesus said, he who believes in me has everlasting life. And so they'll say we need ongoing faith in order to get into the kingdom. And they'll say because true faith lasts. And if it stops, it wasn't true faith. Well, the problem with that is Jesus doesn't promise eternal life to those who unfailingly believe in him. He promises eternal life who believe in the one who is unfailing. You see the difference? It's not that we have eternal faith. It's that we have a Savior who's eternally faithful to his promise that he who believes in me has everlasting life. The, the term he who believes in me uh, in John 6:47, for example, and other passages simply means the believer, the one who's right now believing in me. So if I'm talking to people today, if you're here and you believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, then what do I know that's true of you? He who believes in me has everlasting life. If you believe in him, what do you have? Everlasting life. Well, what happens if you don't believe him in the future? Well, you still have everlasting life because, as one of my seminary professors, Dr. Charles Ryrie, likes to say, if everlasting life could be lost, well, then it's got the wrong name. <laughs> it's called everlasting life because it's everlasting life. Do you remember Jesus said in John 6:35, He who comes to me will never hunger. He who believes in me will never thirst. John 11:26 He who lives and believes in me shall never die. John 3:16 God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. There's the guarantee we're never going to hunger, never going to thirst, never going to perish, never going to die. We've passed from death into life. We won't come into judgment concerning our eternal destiny. All of these are statements of the security of the believer. That once we're saved, we're always saved. And it's not based on our keeping of any commandments. 
And so even if a believer falls from grace, he remains born again. Because he is faithful to his promise. You see, ultimately, our eternal destiny hinges on Jesus' faithfulness, not our faithfulness. And is that not comforting? (laughs) Because if it hinged on our faithfulness, we're all going to the hot spot. (laughs) Because truth is, no matter how faithful we are, Romans 3.23 is still true. All have sinned past tense, and present tense fall short of the glory of God. That's all of us. Every one of us right now, today, is falling short of the glory of God. Now this passage talks about the fact that we're looking to a time when that will not occur. Notice, starting in verse 1, Stand fast, therefore, in the liberty by which Christ has made us free. Going back to the chapter 4, verses 21 to 31, he's saying we're children of the free woman, not of the bondwoman. Going back to Sarah and Hagar, and he's saying, look, this was an illustration of the fact that we're children of the free woman, Sarah, not the bondwoman, Hagar. We're not slave children, we're free children. And so we need to live like that. Well, how could we be living like slave children? if we acted like we had to be justified by law. Notice he goes on, says, Indeed, I, Paul, say to you that if you become circumcised, Christ will profit you nothing. He doesn't mean if you become circumcised, you're not going to get into the kingdom. He's talking about your present experience. He's saying Christ is going to profit you nothing in your day-to-day experience because you have turned your back on Christ. Because to adopt a legalistic mindset is to turn away from Christ. Because we're to love Jesus, we are not to obsess about His commandments. Of course, we're to love the commandments, but ultimately we love the commandments by loving the commander, by focusing on the commander. Because if we become legalistic, it causes us to actually become estranged from Christ. That's what he says, verse 3 For I testify again to everyone, every man who becomes circumcised that he is a debtor to keep the whole law. We saw that in Galatians 3. We also find this in James chapter 2 and verse 10. The point is, look, if you're seeking to be justified by the law, then you have to be absolutely perfect. Past, present, future. One sin in your entire life, and you can't be justified by law. And of course, there's none of us who in the present is without sin, let alone in the past or in the future. And so he says, you have become, verse 4, estranged from Christ. Just like a husband and wife who become estranged. They aren't any longer having any meaningful, intimate communication anymore. That's what happens with the believer who takes their eyes off Christ and looks instead to the law and becomes the legalist. And he says, you who attempt to be justified by law, you have fallen from grace. Well, notice the point is, if you seek to be justified by law, it's sadly possible for a person to come to faith in Christ, know they're justified by faith alone in Christ alone, know they're eternally secure, and then someone comes along and changes their thinking especially with new believers, but this can also be true of people who've been believers for many years. And they can be turned. 
to where they begin to seek to be justified by law. And when that happens, they become estranged from Christ and they've fallen from grace. Let's move to the next one. You can't cease to be justified. The moment you're justified, you're always justified. Uh, You remember in in our legal system, for example, there's no double jeopardy. For example, O.J. Simpson could not be tried again for the two murders that he was found not guilty for, even if he came out and confessed to those crimes. There is no double jeopardy in our legal system. Once you're found not guilty, you're not guilty. Similarly, when God says righteous, I declare you righteous, that's not in your experience, that's in your position. He says you're positionally, you have right standing with me. The moment God does that, that's who you are. That's who you are forever. You're the righteous one. Whether you're living righteously or not, you are righteous because the righteousness of Christ is imputed to your account. Let's move to the next one. Bad things happen if you fall from grace. Of course, if we look here at these verses, one of the things that happens is the person who seeks to be justified by law no longer knows for sure that they're justified. Because they're going to say, well, if I'm justified by law keeping and I don't keep the law, well, then how do I know I'm justified? Actually, it would seem to me you could be assured you're not justified (laughs) under that method, right? In other words, if we're focusing on commandments and we're focusing on laws, then we're going to be plunged into daily despair, would we not? Now, one of the ways to avoid that, of course, for people who hold this sort of theology is to stay busy. The busier they can stay, the less they think about the fact that their theology is condemning them. R.T. Kendall wrote a book called Calvin and English Calvinism. It was his doctoral dissertation. And as he studied the Puritan divines, that's the English branch of the Reformation, he made an amazing discovery. He said, as these men were on their deathbeds, almost every one of them lamented the fact that as they looked over their lives, they did not see the kind of fruit they expected in the life of a regenerate, justified person. And so they thought, I'm on my way to hell. I'm on my way to a Christless eternity on their deathbeds. And that's a sad thing because that's what legalism produces. No matter how well-intentioned it is, if I think I'm justified by law, then I am not going to have any personal assurance of my eternal destiny. I will cease to experience God's grace in my daily living. If you look at the Bible Knowledge Commentary by Dallas Seminary, uh, Dr. Don Campbell, former president of Dallas Seminary, wrote the commentary on Galatians. And as he comments on this verse, that's what he says. He says, falling from grace here is not falling from salvation. You can't lose eternal life. Once you've got it, you've got it. It's falling from the experience of grace. If you immerse yourself in legalism, you will become a legalist and you will become in bondage to sin again. Even though you're not in bondage to sin in your position, Romans 6, you can live like it. You know the old sea captain illustration? The captain is no longer in authority, but he's allowed to walk around the ship and the first in command is now the new commander. But the old captain's still running around giving all kinds of commands and some of the people on board are still obeying the old commander even though they no longer have any 
he has no authority over them any longer. And that's the way the law is. We're not in slavery to law and we're not slaves of sin. But we will and can live that way if we take our eyes off Christ and cease to look to him for our justification. Uh, Let's see. You You also stop sharing the gospel, that is, both justification and sanctification, clearly. You can't tell the good news that all who simply believe in Jesus are justified. Nor can you give the message of Galatians 2.20 that we've been crucified with Christ and it's no longer I who live and the life that I live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and delivered Himself up for me. You can't really teach that either for justification or for sanctification because you've got to get the commandments and the laws and the rules and the regulations in there because that's primarily the focus of the Judaizer, of the legalist. And it seems good, doesn't it? I mean, don't we all want to obey the commandments? Don't we all want to be pleasing to the Lord? But you see, we've got to do the Lord's work the Lord's way. And if the Lord says justification is by faith alone, then we don't want to mess with that, do we? And if He says that sanctification is by faith in the Son of God and a constant recognition and remembrance of Jesus crucified for us, risen and soon returning for us, a desire to hear Him say, well done, good and faithful servant, then our focus is on Christ, not on commandments, not on legalism. And our ability to please God decreases, of course, if we take our eyes from Christ and put them instead on the commandments. Let's move to the next one. How to avoid falling from grace? Before we look at the things on the slide, notice the verses which follow verse 4. For we through the Spirit eagerly wait for the hope of righteousness by faith. What's up with that? Don't we already have righteousness? What is this hope of righteousness? Right? If we're justified, we're righteous in God's sight, right? True, we are. So what is this hope of righteousness that through the Spirit we're eagerly waiting for? I hope you're eagerly waiting for it. We're looking for the return of Christ when our experience will match our position. When there will be no more sin whatsoever in our lives. Where we will be perfectly righteous in our experience. We're eagerly awaiting the time when we put off these bodies and get glorified bodies. 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Bodies which will be perfect vehicles for expressing the righteousness of God. Imagine a million years from now, and you haven't sinned in a million years. (laughs) Won't that be cool? (laughs) A million years of perfect righteousness. No sin. I'm eagerly awaiting that time. Imagine when we won't have a media that contradicts our faith. Imagine we won't have a school system and a university system that contradicts our faith. When books won't contradict our faith. When nobody on TV or radio will contradict our faith. Where we'll actually be moving among the apostles. Moses, David, the Lord Jesus Christ Himself. Now, that if you look up cool in the Christian dictionary, that's what it is. And that's what we eagerly await. Righteousness. You see, the kingdom of Jesus is a kingdom of righteousness forever. 
If Jesus came and simply ruled forever over sinful humanity, that would not be good news. We'd have ongoing rebellion and sin forever. What we're going to have is righteousness forever. And that righteousness is not coming because we fulfill the law. It's not coming because we're such good people. It's coming because Jesus guarantees it. And He gives this entrance to the kingdom and this positional righteousness to all who believe in Him. And one day, He's going to give us experiential righteousness. Now, right now, of course, we can be righteous people, but the righteousness that we have still falls short of the glory of God. If we're walking by faith, The Scriptures do call us righteous people, but that is far less than being a sinless person. We are people who still contend with the flesh until we die. Now, finally, verse 6, by the way, For in Christ Jesus neither circumcision nor uncircumcision avails anything, but faith working through love. Of course, faith is not by focusing on the commandments, it's by focusing on Christ, and it's working through love. It starts with His love. Galatians 2.20, who loved us and delivered Himself up for us. That's the point of 1 John 4.19. We love Him because He first loved us. It's our constant focus on the love of Christ that results in us loving other people. Because it's all about Him and His love moving through us as we focus on Him. So, how to avoid falling from grace? You've got to hold fast to God's Word. You can't let people push us to another Gospel, which is really not another. No matter how many degrees they have, no matter how well-intentioned they are, no matter what their position is, you can't let anybody move you away from the clear teaching of the Word of God. Of course, you've got to faithfully attend a solid Bible teaching church, a church that preaches the grace of God, a church like Coast Bible Church, a church where you get your beliefs and your values reinforced in the worship service and Sunday school in all of the various teachings and functions and Bible studies of the church, you're getting these things reinforced. The sad thing is when people go to a church that's not teaching the Bible, that's not teaching the grace of God, and then their views are being undermined. And it's only a matter of time where eventually they're going to be sucked in and fall from grace. Watch what you put in your mind, whether it's radio, TV, books, MP3s, whatever it is, conferences. Be careful what you put in your mind, because really Christianity is all about what we believe, what we think. Let's move to the next slide. Let's not be people who fall from grace. To fall from grace is not to fall from eternal life, but it's to fall from the present experience of the grace of God. I came out of a very legalistic background. It was a little group in Arcadia, California. And when I was six years old, my parents enrolled me there. We played baseball, basketball, tackle football. And so I was involved. It kept me busy. And we had club meetings every week when we'd have practice and we'd also have the religious instruction. And it was hyper, hyper legalistic. Uh, It taught there was a moment of time you could be born again, a week or two weeks, sometime between the ages of 5 and 20. 
And if you miss that time, <laughs> good luck. <laughs> and in order to get, be ready for that time, you had to turn from your sins and clean up your life and become as righteous as you could before this time came. And then when the time came, you'd walk an aisle or pray a prayer or do something, and you would then be saved. Uh, of course, in their view, if you sinned once after you were saved, you lost it and couldn't get it back. Uh, that's called extreme holiness teaching. <laughs> uh, it wasn't a real popular group. <laughs> yeah. They taught the way is narrow that leads to life and few find it. And it was a few hundred people in Arcadia, California. But it was sad. And it wasn't until I got to UC Irvine that I heard the message that it was by the grace of God that we have eternal life. It's by grace you've been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It's the gift of God. It's not of works, lest anyone should boast. And it blew my mind, and it changed me radically. But up until that point, I looked at other people and I compared myself to them because I thought my eternal destiny hinged on me being in the upper one or two percentile or something. Of course, in the cult group I was in, you had to be sinless. So there was a whole lot of rationalization <laughs> going on. But it was so liberating to learn about grace, unmerited favor. What a blessing that is. And let's not be people who fall from that. Why should we fall from grace? God's given us His Spirit. He's given us His life. He's given us His Word. And as long as we let the Spirit of God apply the Word of God to our lives, then we will be loving people and we will have the transforming power of the Word of God. But a killer of that work of the grace of God in our lives is legalism and the person who is very legalistic. We need to be people who cling to the grace of God, who we don't fall into the trap of somehow obsessing over the commandments. Now, I've seen grace churches and grace people who've gone too far. And they've actually said there are no commandments. Well, hello. <laughs> yeah, there are. Study the word law in the New Testament. The Greek word namas. It's called the law of Christ. It's called the law of liberty. Sure, we're under commandments, but that's not our focus. Our focus is Christ. We love Jesus. That's why every time we take communion, where's our focus? His body was broken for us. His blood was shed for us. We remember His broken body, His shed blood, the life that He gives us, according to 1 Corinthians 11, until He comes again. So every time we take communion, it's a reminder of what He's done for us, what He's given us, and that He's coming again. Going back to Galatians chapter 5 and verse 5, it reminds us that we're eagerly awaiting the hope of righteousness. The New Testament word for hope is something which guaranteed, but we don't have yet. And this righteous kingdom is not here yet. But that's our desire, just like the song we sang on asking Jesus to come quickly and to come for us. Believe in Christ and make Him the focus of your attention because Christianity is really about Jesus. That's why it's called Christianity. That's why it's not called Torah-anity or law-anity. 
commandment entity. It's all about Jesus Christ. Let us be people who not only know about the grace of God, but let's live and enjoy God's grace. If you notice a little bit later in Galatians chapter 5, Paul says, for example, in verse 13, For you, brethren, have been called to liberty, only do not use liberty as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. When he says an opportunity for the flesh, he's talking about the Judaizers and legalism. For all the law is fulfilled in one word, even this, you shall love the neighbor as yourself. In the one saying, or the word would be love, you love the neighbor as yourself. Notice, but if you bite and devour one another, beware lest you be consumed by one another. Why does he bring up biting and devouring one another? Because that's what legalism produces. And if you look at verses 19, 20, and 21, the works of the flesh... That's the works of legalism. That's what legalism produces. These aren't the desired product of legalism, but that's what happens. And if you look at the fruit of the Spirit, these are the things which occur when we walk in grace. So the call for us is not to fall from grace, but to walk daily in the grace of God. You have become estranged from Christ. You who attempt to be justified by law, you have fallen from grace. If you know of anyone like that, call them back to the grace of God. For you who are withstanding within the grace of God, you know you have eternal life by faith in Christ. You know it's not about you. You know it's about Jesus and His promise. He who believes in Me has everlasting life. You know it's that simple. Stand in that grace. No matter how long you've walked with Christ, that simple, fundamental, basic truth is something we never grow beyond. And if we ever leave that truth behind, then our sanctification begins to crumble because we become estranged from Christ. Because we're no longer living by faith. And we no longer have faith working through love. So don't fall from grace. Enjoy and revel the grace of God. What a wonderful good news we have. Let's close in prayer. Father, we thank You so much that the Lord Jesus Christ is faithful and that when He says, He who believes in Me has everlasting life, He's absolutely faithful to keep that promise. We thank You so much for the life that we have by faith in the Lord Jesus And I pray for us that we would stand firm in Your grace and that we would eagerly await the hope of righteousness which is soon to come. Come quickly, Lord Jesus. How we long to please You. How we long to hear You say, Well done, good servant. We pray in Your matchless name, the Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen.